Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Rory Vaden, and we're going to explore how to multiply your time as a marketer by procrastinating. Yes, we're going to talk about how we as busy marketers can get more done by procrastinating. Now, let me tell you, I know this sounds crazy, but this is radical stuff, and trust me when I tell you, you're going to love this interview. Now, My voice is a little shot, and I apologize. I'm recording this the Friday after Social Media Marketing World, and um, I know it's literally weeks after Social Media Marketing World that this actually published, but my voice was so bad because I talked to so many people that by the end of Social Media Marketing World, I was walking around with a, a pad of paper and a pen because I literally lost my voice completely. Um, it's coming back slowly. But you will hear in this interview that I'm a little raspy. So with that, let's go to today's discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher, who has another awesome new discovery. What did you find, Eric? I found an awesome alerts app called Hooks. Tell us about it. All right. Well... I was looking for something specifically to keep me in the know about when certain people tweeted or when certain hashtags that weren't used very often were tweeted. And for example, the the main use that I found for this was I installed this, set it up for our social media marketing world hashtag that was also a help hashtag because I wanted to be notified immediately if somebody use that hashtag as part of our social team and get them help immediately. And so what I did was I set this up. I did a Twitter search, plugged in the hashtag. And every time somebody tweeted with that hashtag, I got a little ding on my phone and I knew immediately to go to that high priority alert and be able to help them right away. Wow. Okay. So let's step back for a second. So this is an app that runs on your phone. Is that correct? Yes. And do you know if it's only on iOS or Android? From their website, I can only see iOS. Okay, so you install the app on your phone and then walk us through kind of how you use it. Sure. There are actually hundreds of channels on here, whether that's music or sports scores or weather or stock prices, shipping tracking, all those different kinds of things, Mm. even – when a new Netflix movie that you've been waiting for shows up, all these different kinds of things. So think of any channel uh, that's out there and then think of something you'd want to be notified about 
on there, whether it's an RSS feed, whether it's a tweet by a certain person, huh. uh, a, that a website is down even, and you can turn those alerts on and then you can get notified right through this app. Wow. So in the case of Twitter, um, you you went ahead and just uh, did a Twitter search using the hashtag and you pasted that into the app and then the app um, notified you. Is it one of those kind of things where it takes over the screen kind of like a text message and lets you know, hey, something's up? Yep. Yeah. It said new tweet but with this hashtag and then it gave me a snippet of the tweet and I was able to just swipe left and or right, whichever it was. And it opened the app and then I quickly opened Twitter and the tweet was right there and I was ready to start helping out. That is really, really cool. Is it a free app? Is it a paid app? It is a free app. Wow. So again, the name of the app and maybe where people can discover it if they've got a website. It is called Hooks and you can found it, find it on the app store and it can be found on a website. It, it is called um, gethooksapp.com. Eric Fisher, thank you so much. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's move on to that awesome interview with Rory. Helping you simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Rory Vaden. If you don't know who Rory is, he's the co-founder of Southwestern Consulting, an organization designed to empower sales pros. He's also the best-selling author of two books. His first one is called Take the Stairs, and his newest book is called Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. Rory, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. So today, Rory and I are going to explore how busy marketers and entrepreneurs can get ahead by procrastinating. Yes, I said procrastinating. Sound interesting? Well, keep listening and we will dig into what that really means. Uh, Rory, let's start with a little bit of your backstory. Um, what did you do before you were writing books? And Feel free to go back as far as you want to. Let, let's kind of explore a little bit about what got you here. Sure. Well, a big part of my story is that I was raised by a single mother who sold Mary Kay Cosmetics. And so I always tell people, I grew up around women who were always teaching me about the principles of success from the time that I was very young. Mm. Um, it, it also means that I know more about makeup than I do about cars, uh, is true. <laughs> and um, when I was in college at the, the University of Denver, I got recruited to work in this program called Southwestern Advantage. And I sold educational children's reference books door to door for five summers, 14 hours a day, six days a week on straight commission, um, pay my own expenses and, and recruiting in the, in the latter summers, recruiting students to come with me. And so I kind of grew up in the direct sales world and, and that was really my backward, my background. And I never, I never thought I would be a door to door salesperson. I mean, I was a normal child like the re everyone else. Um, I actually thought I might sell Mary Kay. Um, but that would I be unusual, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that would be unusual. But I, uh, so I developed this passion for sales and then um, I left Southwestern, 
did the world championship of public speaking for Toastmasters. Um, that launched sort of my speaking career, and we started Southwestern Consulting in 2006 with four of us uh, to help, you know, the mission to kind of help salespeople achieve their goals in life. And, and Southwestern Consulting has now grown to 115 team members, and we have over 1,000 people that are in one-on-one sales or sales leadership coaching with us. Um, and so my specific area of focus you know, our company does sales, but Take the Stairs was all about the psychology of overcoming procrastination, improving self-discipline, and, and how to get yourself to do things you know you should do that you don't feel like doing, i.e. Take the Stairs. And then uh, procrastinating on purpose uh, is, you know, we basically answered that question in, in, in 2012 about take the stairs, how do the most disciplined people in the world get themselves to be disciplined? And then the next question that we set on was, how do the most successful people in the world today think about time? And do they carry the same beliefs and the, do they do they believe and buy into the same cliches that we often hear about time management? And in fact, we found out that a lot of them, they just flat out don't. Well, um, I, I, everyone who's listening, I will tell you that I met Rory and his wife on a cruise, uh, Dan Miller's 48 days cruise, which was really, I think targeted to small business owners. And Rory was one of the speakers there and we got to know each other. And I was absolutely blown away by the concepts that he talks about in his book. And I really wanted to bring this to my audience because the plight of the marketer is one of we are, we are all overworked. We all have more to do than we can ever get done. And there's always a bright, shiny new object on the Mm -hmm. horizon that's screaming for our attention. So, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, um, so now that I've brought the context of how we've met and the fact that I was really impressed with what you presented on, on the ship, let's start by talking about what's wrong with a lot of what time management books are talking about today or said another way, you've kind of identified one of the challenges or the reasons why people struggle with time management based on what they've been taught in the past. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, there is no such thing as time management. Um, There is only self-management. And one of the the key things that we realized, I actually learned this from a two-year-old, but that time management today even though everything you learn about is related to tips and tricks and tools and technology and calendars and checklists, the reality is all of that is logical. But in the world that we live in today, time management isn't just logical. It's emotional. And our feelings of guilt and fear and worry and anxiety and our desire to feel successful and our need to feel valued, those things dictate how we spend our time as much as what's in our inbox on our to-do list or on our calendar. And so, you know, first of all, time management isn't just logical, it's emotional. And really, that's why we say there is no such thing as time management. There's, there's only self-management. But um, the other thing is that there's a, a new type of thinker that has emerged in the world um, that we refer to as a multiplier. And that's, you know, thus the subtitle of the book, um, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. And they really have they, they, they really have adapted. And, and so just to take you on like a quick history. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so era one time management thinking is very one dimensional and it was developed as a body of work in like the 50s and 60s on in the industrial revolution and and it was all about efficiency and the whole 
phrase of like managing your time is all about efficiency. How can I do things faster? And all things being equal, I mean, doing things faster is better, but there's a point of diminishing returns with efficiency, which is evidenced pretty well by the fact, I think, Mike, that, you know, we all carry these miniature computers in our pockets and, and we have more apps and, and stuff that we can use. And yet we, we, not only are we never caught up, but in a lot of ways, it seems like we're falling further and further behind. Mm -hmm. So in the late eighties, um, a new era of, of time management thinking emerged, which we refer to as two-dimensional thinking or era two time management thinking. And it was really ushered in pretty much single-handedly by the late um, great Dr. Stephen Covey. And, and Dr. Covey gave us a two-dimensional model that he called the time management matrix where the y-axis was importance and the x-axis was urgency. And that was really cool because now we had a way to sort of score our tasks and basically prioritize based on their score and we could um, you know evaluate how you know importance is how much does something matter and urgency is how soon does it matter and and so then we we kind of created the to-do list and it's not that there's anything bad about prioritizing I mean prioritizing is a very relevant skill today and but even though we throw that word prioritizing around like it's the end-all be-all to all of our time management problems there's a massive limitation to prioritizing and that's this there is nothing about prioritizing that creates more time so like all prioritizing does is take item number seven on your to-do list and it bumps it up to number one, which is a valuable skill. But for a marketer, right, we don't just have one important thing. We have a million things on our list and we have everybody, you know, every division of the company has, has a new need for or a new idea or there's some new strategy we want to try and implement. And so we have a, a huge growing to-do list and prioritizing doesn't create more time. It, it just focuses first on what matters most. Um, and so I think the real problem, you know, to what you mentioned with your question, Mike, is just we can't solve today's time management problems with yesterday's time management solutions. And, you know, think about how much the world has changed since the late 80s. I mean, the seven habits came out in, like, I think it was 1989. Wow. And that's way before social and or internet even, barely cell, you know, like cell phones or any of that stuff. Um, and so... What multipliers are doing are they're making a third calculation, which we refer to as significance. Um, and significance is, if you think about it graphically or geometrically, it's the z-axis. So it takes a two-dimensional square and makes it into a three-dimensional cube. Okay, so uh, so say what those three dimensions are. Okay, yeah. So so importance is how much does this matter? Urgency is how soon does this matter? But then significance, Mike, is how long is this going to matter? Mm. And the significance calculation changes everything. Because if you think about the way the average person, uh, you know, the average person wakes up in the morning and, and we think about all, what are our marketing objectives for the day? And we sit there and we, we ask the question, what's the most important thing I have to do today? That is not how multipliers think. Multipliers don't ask themselves, what's the most important thing I do can do today? Because if they do that, you inevitably start falling victim to urgency, to whatever is, is, is latest and loudest, whatever's making the most noise. What multipliers do is they give themselves the permission to make decisions based on significance. And they say, not what can I do today that will create more time tomorrow? 
or more opportunity or more results tomorrow. So the concept of multiplying time sounds kind of like like a super uh, superlative, you know, it's kind of uh, like exaggerated, but uh, it's not it, because while it is true that there's nothing we can do to create more time in one day, uh, and we all have the same 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, or 86,400 seconds. But when you make the significance calculation, you realize there are certain things I can do today that create more time tomorrow. And that is the premise of the whole book. Uh, the way that you multiply time is by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. Okay, let's pause there for a minute. So significant significance is the key word here. And you are postulating that something is significant if by getting it done, it frees up time in perpetuity for us, right? I mean, is that kind of what I hear you saying? Like, give me a simple simple example of something that is significant. And so everybody can understand like what that really means. Sure. Well, there's, 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 you know, infinite number of examples, but let me give you just a ubiquitous one. Um, let's say, uh, let's take online bill pay as an example. If I went up to the average, you know, director of marketing or somebody with a small business who's doing marketing as a piece of their, as their, of their business plan. And I said, Hey, do you happen to have two hours open in your schedule today that you could set up your online bill pay? Uh, people would be like, no, are you crazy? I don't have two hours in my schedule for something stupid like online bill pay. In fact, I never have two hours open. And if I did have two hours open, I certainly wouldn't be doing online bill pay. I have emails to catch up on and I have, I have stuff I would be doing. But a multiplier says, well, okay, let me think about this for a second. Uh, I, I surely don't just have an extra two hours available in my day, but if setting up online bill pay saves me 30 minutes every month from paying my bill, then that means if I sp- in spend or invest, a better word to say, invest those two hours today to set that up, then after four months' time, I will have broken even on my investment. And every month thereafter, I will get something that we refer into in POP, um, in the book, POP, um, as ROTI, return on time invested. And POP and is procrastinate on purpose, right? So Procrastinate, procrastinate on purpose. So yeah. return on time invested. Now, let me pause for a second here because another example that I think a lot of uh, marketers can relate to is um, taking time to write a standardized response to, mm. um, to the kinds of questions people are asking you on social media or the kinds of questions your team keeps getting over and over via Facebook right? Or I mean, yeah, or via email or any other social platform. If you spent a couple hours and you came up with a, here's the top 10 questions that we get every single week um, related to our sales and marketing, and you were able to standardize that document, put it into a Google doc, um, rather than reinvent it every single time. I mean, the return on investment there would be massive, wouldn't it? Exactly. I mean, or an FAQ, I mean, right. or a video, you know, but the, the whole idea is like, as a marketer, I go, I, I, that's a great idea, Mike, but I don't have time to do that. Like, that's real cute that you would say that. And the reality is, you're right. You don't have time to do that. If you're not making the significance calculation, if you're only making the urgency calculation, then uh, you like, and, and 
absent the significance calculation, we inappropriately overweight the urgency calculation. And so we end up doing the things that are always urgent. And that describes the exact world that we live in. It's the new type of procrastination. Uh, We coined the phrase and take the stairs, priority dilution. And priority dilution Uh, The reason we call it the new procrastination is because it doesn't affect lazy people like classic procrastination. Priority dilution affects the chronic overachievers, the movers and shakers. And and it's what happens is we leave at the end of the day with our most significant priorities left unchecked, not because we're lazy, but because we, as our star rises, we have more and more things pulling for our attention and we allow our priorities to dilute because we are inadvertently placing too much weight on the urgency calculation because we don't consciously make the significance calculation. So significance is a part of importance just like urgency is a part of determining something's importance. But if you only make the urgency calculation and you don't counterbalance it, significance is the natural counterbalancing force to urgency. If you don't do that, then you run at a frenetic pace constantly checking email, and you make a big mistake uh, that multipliers don't make. And the, and the big mistake that many people are making today um, that they, they haven't yet realized, what multipliers have realized, that success is no longer related to the volume of tasks we achieve, but rather the significance of them. Okay, so um, if you're listening right now and you're like me, you have sticky notes all over your desktop with all sorts of creative ideas that you discover that you have yet to implement. Or you have these programs that you know are going to be brilliant for your company if only you could find time to do it. And um, <laughs> this is why I wanted Rory on the show because I've got the sticky notes on my desk. I have the lists of things that I know that if I could implement them, it would transform my time and my mm. business. So Rory, now let's focus on what you call the focus funnel, because I think we're going to begin to pull back the veil a little bit and help people understand how they can attack this thing. Why don't you describe what the focus funnel is? Right. So if, if, the, if the premise here, the psychological premise is that you multiply time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow, then the focus funnel is our attempt to create a visual depiction that codifies the thought process that multipliers use when they're evaluating what tasks to spend their time on. Okay, wait, wait, wait. And, Translate that into everyday language. Uh, <laughs> that was very a, tech, a, techie a, speak. <laughs> it's, a, it's a model. There you, it's a, there it's you our go. model. Much better. <laughs> Good. Um, but, but, you know, the thing about the model is we, we wanted something that wasn't so constricting, that it wasn't so over overcomplicated that it takes as much, like, that it doesn't make it worth using the system because it's like, gosh, by the time I ec- implemented the system, it's just, it's like so overbearing. I can't actually do it. Um, so we wanted to be fluid and, and, and obviously multipliers, it, it is fluid for them. So, picture a funnel. At the top of the funnel is eliminate. And that's the first question they ask themselves is, 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 can I eliminate this task? Is it even worth doing? And multipliers, again, here's something where I say everything you know about time management is wrong. Uh, and that's the first sentence is it, multipliers realize that next generation time management is much more, is, is much more about having a not to do list 
than having a to-do list. Mm. Multipliers realize that perfection is achieved not only when nothing more can be added, but when nothing more can be taken away. The permission, the corresponding permission to eliminate is the permission to ignore. Basically, the permission to say no, because anything I say no to today saves me time tomorrow. The problem is, if you're like me, okay, and it's kind of a natural thing for us marketers, like we're people pleasers, and and that's our whole thing is we're trying to build an audience and make people happy and... um, Well, if you're a people pleaser, then saying no is really, really hard. And so we end up feeling guilty and and we end up saying yes to things that we really want to say no to. And one of the the multipliers that we profiled said, Rory, you're missing, you're missing a major insight. And when he said this to me, it literally changed my life. He said, you are wasting energy and time trying to go through life without saying no. It is futile to try to live life without saying no because anytime you say yes to one thing, you are simultaneously saying no to an infinite number of others. I love this because we have a very limited amount of time and I will tell everyone what I've done um, to bring this practicality home for everyone listening right now. I have decided that I, and I've been doing this for a year and a half, I do not do any public speaking anymore. I'm done with Mm. public speaking. I've hung up my public speaking shingle with the exception of my own (laughs) event. Even though I get asked all the time, I just don't do it anymore. And you want to know what? That has freed me enormously. The other thing that I also do is everybody in my company knows that I'm never available for a meeting before 11 a.m. Pacific ever. So it it, it gives me that gap every day where I know there's nothing that's going to disturb me during that time as far as meetings go. Those are just two very small practical things that I do that have made a big difference. I love it. And 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 the idea of having something like a focus funnel is is to make it, you know, is to give you a process and a methodology that you can have confidence to evaluate and use as a litmus test uh, for which tasks you spend time on. But it's a paradox that, you know, creating this system is it's not meant to thwart your creativity. It's meant to enable your creativity by having a structure for taking care of everything else so that you can have more creative time. Excellent. So what's next down? So the top third of the funnel is eliminate. What's eliminate. The, what's the next one? Yeah. So if you can't eliminate it, then it drops down to the middle of the funnel, which is automate. Anything you create a process for today saves you time tomorrow. It multiplies time. Um, we call that the permission to invest because if you, it's like none of us have time to invest in setting up a bunch of streams on whatever tool we use as Hootsuite or whatever. None of us have time, you know, extra time laying around to, to build a product funnel uh, in whatever, you know, our marketing engine is. And we don't, but, but when you give yourself the permission to invest that time, it saves you time in the future. Here, here's another way of saying it. What we realized is that automation is to your time exactly what compounding interest is to your money. So just like compounding interest take, makes money into more money, automation takes time and it makes it into more time. And the way that wealthy people think about money, which is investing it instead of spending it, is the exact same way that multipliers think about time. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so at the top of the funnel, we've got eliminate, then we've got automate. What's the bottom part of the funnel? Yeah, so the next thing is if, if, if it must be done, it can't be eliminated and it can't be automated, then the, the, the next question is can it be delegated? Can it be done by somebody else? And 
for most of us, if you were to ask the average, you know, marketer, you say, are there tasks that you're doing every day, you know, that could, you could train somebody else to do? Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. We would say, yeah. And then you say, okay, why don't you do that? Like, why don't you, why don't nobody's as good at it as I am? I know that's what everybody's thinking right now. Right? That's right. They say nobody is as good as I am, right? Or it would just be faster for me to do this myself because they're not going to be able to do it as well as I can. Well, um, here's something to, to try on. We call this the 30X rule. The 30X rule suggests that you should consider spending 30 times the amount of time training somebody to do a task uh, that the 30 times the amount of time it takes you to do the task once training someone else how to do it. Okay, so let me walk you through it. Let's say it's a task that takes you five minutes every day. The 30X rule suggests you would spend 150 minutes training someone how to do that. 30 times five, 30X. And and, and here's where most people freak out and they go, Rory, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why in the world would I spend 150 minutes, two and a half hours training somebody to do a task that I could do in five minutes. That doesn't make any sense. And the answer is, you're right, it doesn't make any sense, and you sh- you would never do it if you don't make the significance calculation. However, if you make the significance calculation and you break free of the paradigm of only thinking inside the construct of one day, and you instead expand your perspective, let's say, to one year, and you know the math on this is pretty simple. If it's five minutes a day for you to do the task, and let's say there's 250 working days in a year, well then that's gonna that means over the course of a year you're gonna spend 1,250 minutes doing that task. So now the question changes. The question isn't why would I spend 150 minutes training someone to do a task that takes me five. Now the question is, should I spend 150 minutes training someone? To, to do a task that's going to take me 1250. And just to give you some context, if I was in a room and I raised my hand and I said, if I could tell you how to, how to get 18 extra hours a year and you know, for the Mm. rest of your career, which is, I just did the math while you were talking, raise your hand if you'd be interested, guarantee everybody would say it, right? Cause what can you do with that extra 18 to 20 hours, right? A year, right? Uh, assuming I'm doing my math, right? That's a lot of time. Um, and that's, you know, that that's how you got it. Yeah, go ahead. 1100 minute. It's like 1100 minute difference. Yeah. It's 1250 that you would have been doing it, but instead you're spending only 150 training someone. So you have an 1100 minute gain. It's like a 733% return on time invested. There's that term again, ROTI. Yep. Um, and so, but so that it's all about the significance calculation. Now, like what you were saying, Mike, like if, if, if I asked someone, I said, Hey, if I could show you a way that you could get 18 to 20 hours back of, of your schedule, would you be excited? Or if I said, hey, Mike, I have an investment for you that you can earn 733% guaranteed return, you would think I, I was full of crap. You'd be like, no way, this is, this, is, this is hype. I'm telling you, those investments exist all around us, except they're not with money, they're with time. The next generation of cost savings for companies is not saving money. It's in saving time. And just like wealthy people see investments that most other people don't see, multipliers see the uses of time that no one else sees. The significance calculation changes everything. Now, I know some people are listening right now and they're saying, okay, 
I'm in a position where either A, I cannot quote unquote afford because I own my own business to delegate these little tasks or B, I don't know if I can get budget inside of my company to delegate these kinds of tasks. How do they make the case to themselves or to their bosses for this kind of delegation? Great question. It's a great question. Well, the, the way that you make the case is, is doing what we call the MVOT calculation, M-V-O-T. It stands for money value of time, not to be confused with the time value of money. Mm. The money value of time concept, Mike, is basically that all of us earn an hourly rate of pay. Even if you're not paid hourly, but it doesn't matter if you're how you're paid, whether it's you know profit, percentage, commission, bonus, hourly salary, whatever. If you take the total amount of money you make and you divide it by the number of hours you work, you come up with your MVOT, your the money value of your time. And so it cracks me up when small business owners say, I can't afford to hire someone to do this for me. Because here's the thing, you already are affording it. You're either paying someone else at their rate of pay or you're paying yourself at yours. So if you started a business because you wanted to make 100, 150, 250, a half a million dollars a year, I mean, at $150,000 a year and working 50 hours a week, it comes out to be about $62 an hour. So you're paying someone $62 an hour to do it. If you're not paying someone else, that's what you're paying yourself. So if you don't have that assistant, you are an assistant and you're going to earn an assistant's pay. Um, and that same calculation holds up in the corporate world. As you just say, look, here is what you're, you're paying me. Uh, I believe that if we get somebody, we can, get, we can hire somebody at this rate of pay to do these tasks. And if we do, that's going to free me up to focus on these other tasks and let me show you the ROTI on these additional tasks that I really want to do, these things that will multiply our time and multiply our financial performance over the long term. That's what I need to be working on. Awesome. Okay. So um, let's now sew the whole thing together, right? Um, real quickly mention the three pieces of the funnel and what happens when stuff drops out the bottom. Okay, okay. So if you can't eliminate, automate it, or delegate it, then that task drops out the bottom of the funnel. And at that moment, you know you have a task that must be done, and it must be done by you. Now, most of us chronic overachieving taskmasters like myself, these are the frenetic email checkers, the movers and shakers, the do-gooders, right? That, that uh, we, have, we've, we are living in this, this constant state of urgency where for some reason, it's the volume of tasks that we get our self-worth from. And this, you know it's you, this is how you know it's you. If you've ever completed a task that's not on your to-do list and then you add it to your to-do list just so you can cross it off. Um, yeah. And so, so I, we just dive I'm not going to say it. that's me, but I, I will tell you that I am a chronic to-do lister. So. Okay. So, um, and it's, it's, you know, it's not bad to be an action-oriented person, but there is a key question that multipliers ask before they just dive in and do something. And when that task drops out the bottom of the funnel, their one remaining question is, must this task be done now or can it wait until later? Now, if it must be done now, that is concentrate. It's the permission to protect. Um, it's about protecting your focus and eliminating distractions. Not anything all that exciting or new there. However... The much more fascinating part of this discussion is if the answer to the question is, can this wait until later? If that answer is yes, then that is where multipliers are encouraging you and inviting you and challenging you to not eliminate, automate, or delegate, but to procrastinate on purpose. We call it POP. Now, you're not going to procrastinate on it forever 
what you're going to do is you're going to pop that activity back to the top of the funnel, at which point it's going to enter into a holding pattern by which it's going to cycle through the focus funnel until ultimately, inevitably, one of the other four strategies will have to be executed on. Well, a lot of the times, if, if something can continually wait and wait and wait, what we eventually develop the courage to do is what we should have done in the first place, which was eliminate it. Um, or some technology or process shows up that we can automate it, or somebody rises to the occasion, they rise to the call of leadership, and they step up, and they get it done because you gave them a chance. Um, and so procrastinating on purpose is what we call the permission of the incomplete. Hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that some people say to me, Michael, is, you know, the, as we talked earlier, the Take the Stairs book is all about the psychology of overcoming procrastination. And so people say, well, wait a minute, Rory. You said procrastination was the most expensive invisible cost in business today. You said procrastination is the foundation of a mediocre life. And now you're saying procrastinate on purpose? Like, what's with that? Well, I did say all those things, and they are exactly true how I said them. And, and that's because there's a big distinction to be made. There is a major difference in waiting to do something that you know you should be doing that you don't feel like doing versus waiting to do something because you're deciding that now is not the right time. That's a key waiting distinction to, right there. Go ahead. Yeah, focus on that. Yeah, so, so like – if you think about like going to the gym, for example, like waiting to do something that you know you should do that you don't feel like doing, that's like going to the not going to the gym because I don't feel like it, not making you know a, a sales call because I don't feel like it, or not getting started on my taxes, right, or not building out that new campaign because it seems daunting or overwhelming. That's procrastination. Uh, that is the killer of all success. That is the creator, uh, the foundation of a mediocre life. But waiting to do something because you're deciding that now is not the right time, that's not procrastination. That isn't the killer of all success. That is a virtue. In fact, it's a lost art, and it's a one-word synonym for procrastinate on purpose, and that word is patience. Patience, patience, patience. Inaction that results from indulgence is procrastination. But inaction that results from intention, that is patience. And that's what we need to create margin. We have to give ourselves permission to say, I don't have to check my email 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I really don't. It really will be okay. I can allow that to be incomplete so that I can give myself the permission to concentrate on the things that multiply my time, to do the things today that create more time or more more results tomorrow. Now, um, this is a really incredible concept that I hope people are beginning to understand and may even need to listen to this again and definitely need to pick up your book. But I know that a lot of people listening right now are creative folk who love playing in the quote unquote sandbox, you know, and, and love exploring because when they get a chance to explore, that's when these little sparks happen. So how can we have our playtime and still get things done? What are your thoughts on this one? Well, my thought on this is that creative people should be creative. That's how you multiply your impact. That is your highest use. Like, um, you know, one of the reasons that we burn out is because we're trying to satisfy everybody else, and we have to realize that our 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 highest value to others is to be our highest self. And ultimately, the focus funnel is a methodology to help us determine what is the thing that only I can do. And 
and then I want to eliminate, automate, delegate, or procrastinate on purpose all of the rest. So this this is it, it's a method for you know ex- creating that that creative freedom and and being able to explore. And so that the challenge is is you're gonna you may need help eliminating, automating, and delegating. If you're you know sometimes uh, you may be you may be good at the procrastinate on purpose part, um, but a lot of it, like I said, is an emotional permission. And this is about freeing yourself from the tyranny of the urgent, what uh, Charles Hummel called in a 1969 uh, essay, the tyranny of the urgent. And it's about freeing ourselves from the insignificant, trivial things and, and freeing our self-worth from being attached to the volume of things we complete and giving ourselves permission to be creative, to do the things that only we can do, to to be able to explore while having a system to handle everything else so that we can multiply our time, multiply our results, and ultimately multiply multiply our value for ourselves and for everyone around us. So Rory, what's the take-home message? If, if everybody didn't hear a darn word you said and there was one message you want to leave everyone with, what would it be? <laughs> Well, it's it it is it's the premise of the whole book of, of how you multiply time, um, and it ties all this stuff together. That you know, time management isn't logical; it's emotional and all that. Uh, the whole focus funnel, and it's it's so. If you've been sleeping, you know, it's fine. Wake up and and catch this. You multiply time by giving yourself the emotional permission to invest time into things today that create more time or results tomorrow. And I really want everybody to reflect on this because. This is really key. I mean, like when you start rethinking your time, uh, when you start rethinking your task to focus on, if I get this done now, whatever this is, what's the um, return on that time over the long run? How can it free Mm -hmm. me up to accomplish what I truly want to accomplish? Because so many of us wander through life kind of like balls in a pinball machine and we just let the walls of the pinball machine knock us wherever we want to go. And this Mm -hmm. is definitely the life of the marketer and this is definitely the life of the entrepreneur. And I just want you guys to understand that this stuff is crazy, man. I mean, what Rory's talking about is really transformational. And I want everybody to go out there and pick up his book, Procrastinate on Purpose, Rory Vaden, V-A-D-E-N. Rory, tell people where they can go to discover more about you. Yeah, you know, I I would say, thank you for that, Michael. And, and, And it, what you said is really true. Some of this stuff is radical. I mean, some of this flies directly in the face of everything you've ever been told um, about time management, including that there is no such thing as time management. There's only self-management. So um, what we did is we put together a free one-hour webinar that people can go. They can see the focus funnel. I explain it. I walk them through the whole thing. So if you go to procrastinateonpurpose.com, uh, you can, you know, it's completely free. You register. It's an evergreen webinar, so you don't have to show up at any given time. Uh, you just go to procrastinateonpurpose.com and you tune in. You you watch the webinar, and then there's there's links to my blog and my podcast and my social media and all that stuff. Uh, but that's I would just say go to procrastinateonpurpose.com. That's where to get started. And I will tell everybody that I have multiple employees inside my company reading Rory's book. I mean, that's how good it is. And I can't think nice. of nice. I can't think of the last time I've had that kind of uh, circumstance going on inside the company. So. Rory Vaden, thank you so much for coming on today's show and sharing what I think is a very important message with our listeners. Well, Mike, thank you for having me. And and just, you know, for everyone out there, just remember no matter who you are or what you do, for all of us, success is never owned. Success is only rented, and the rent is due. 
every day. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show. I know for me and my staff, these concepts that we've talked about in Rory's book have been absolutely foundational, fundamental, transformational, whatever word you can think of. Now, if there was anything we mentioned in today's show and you missed it, don't worry, we take the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 142. That stands for episode 142. Hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast player you're listening to if you're new to the show so you never miss a future episode of the show. Also, if you're um, not already done so and you're a longtime listener to the show, can you consider giving us a rating and or a review? And like I said, my voice is still shot. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes to do that on iTunes or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.